KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. So we finally see light at the end of the tunnel with regards to the pandemic as vaccines continue to roll out, more and more people getting vaccinated every day. It's been quite a year, as you can imagine, for folks who work in the realm of public health in the midst of COVID-19. And while there is still a lot more work to do, we wanted to talk about how the world of public health has come through the last year, what lessons have been learned, and where to go from here. For this conversation, we reached out to Dr. Laura Siminoff. She is the Dean of the College of Public Health at Temple University. Important conversation. Give a listen. So before we kind of look ahead, it has been quite a year for everyone, but it has been an extraordinary year for the people in the field of public health. How do you think it has held up over this past year? Well, um, you know, there's a lot of different components of public health. And and I think that most people, when they think about public health, actually, I'm really not sure what they're thinking about. Some people know that there's something called epidemiology. Some people know that public health has to do with, you know, what we call water and bugs, environmental issues. A lot of people aren't aware that issues around how services are delivered are also part of public health. What we're about to get into, which is the vaccine hesitancy, is the behavioral component of public health. And so all of those components, both from a research standpoint, from a delivery standpoint, it's been very, very challenging. And I think our sort of public health delivery infrastructure is kind of creaking and sagging under the weight of all the demands. And then for many of us who have, you know, worked in this area in for many, many years, and particularly for me, I'm an academic, I'm a researcher. I never considered public health to be political. And so I think for many of us, it took us by some surprise and sort of threw us back to see that the common sense public health recommendations suddenly exploded into this very, very political dialogue and conversation where people who were of one political persuasion didn't want to wear masks, people who were of another were willing to do it. So it's been really challenging. It's been an eye-opener, I think, for all of us in the field. How much... Is the idea of public health challenged by the idea that the better job you do, the less people notice? It it seems like public health only comes to the forefront when there's a problem. Right. And we've always known that. We've always known that, you know, it's sexier and more sort of newsworthy if you cure disease or get a a great treatment for a disease than if you prevent something. So it is very challenging because the better you do, the more people have to worry about it. So for example, if we've been able to really tamp this whole thing down, the way we did with SARS and some of these other 
um, infectious diseases that kind of presented a threat to the homeland, then everybody wouldn't have paid a whole lot of attention. They would have said, oh, great, you know, like move on. But here that didn't happen. So now everybody is thinking public health. And in fact, we have had more people express an interest in getting degrees in public health than I've seen in my entire lifetime. And I'm very gratified by that. And I think that's great. I think we need far more people in the field. But I also think that we need to get do better job in getting the public to understand what public health is, why it's important, what, what we do, and how they can contribute to, to public health. People have certainly learned a lot more about right, washing their hands. So, um, but that's not all public health is, obviously. Public health is a, a very, very broad field. It's interesting you mentioned SARS because one of the things I heard early on was before the pandemic really took hold, when you started to hear COVID-19 mentioned on the news, but it hadn't overwhelmed our life, was, Mm -hmm. oh, we had SARS, we had MERS, Mm -hmm. you know. And to the point about the concept of public health, the fact that I think a lot of people thought, looked at it from the idea that, oh, it's just the media blowing something else up. Instead of the idea that a lot of people worked really hard to make sure that that didn't turn into a disastrous pan- pandemic or, you know, really affect this country. And once again, it's almost like the success of public health works against you. The fact that those things were taken on head on seriously and the damage was limited led people at the beginning to eye roll about, well, this is just more alarmism and just more people trying to grab headlines. Right. And, and I, and I do think that I totally agree with you. I think that that's that's a really good way of thinking about it. I think that when all of this started and, and I can remember for myself personally You know, we could kind of see the train coming at us. And I remember I I had to, this was at the very end of February, I had a meeting in Germany. And I remember looking on the CDC website and and trying to figure out what was going on in, in Germany. And I thought, well, I guess I can travel. And we still didn't really understand um, everything we we needed to know about transmission. So when I went, I did not wear a mask, but I remember I brought tons of sanitizer and I was wiping everything down on the the plane and I pulled that little tray down because that's really, it's a disgusting thing on the planes. They're all filled with bacteria. And I wiped it all down and stuff. And every time I got on a subway, I, 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 I would sanitize my hands and stuff. But, and, and we put a lot of emphasis on that in the beginning. But, and that's really, in some ways, unfortunate. Because the first thing you tell people is the thing that they remember. So now when we talk to people, everybody's like, well, I'm always washing my hands. I'm sanitizing. But in point of fact, the real mechanism of transmission, the, the big mechanism of transmission is airborne. And that's why the masks are so important. 
And, and in public health, even we initially told people not to wear masks because there was such a dearth of masks and pe- the healthcare providers were scrambling just for surgical masks, never mind the N95s. And I, I feel like in some ways that was a mistake. And, and, and I think even Dr. Fauci would admit that was a mistake. So we didn't get that message to people. This is an airborne illness. Like, this is the way you're going to get it. Like, washing your hands is important, but the most important thing is to prevent inhaling the virus. So we did have a misstep. So it was only a few months between the initial recommendations and when we started telling people you got to mask up. But I think in some ways the damage was done because now even when I meet with people who don't know anything about public health and and they hear what I do, they say, well, I'm always washing my hands. And I'm like, but you got to wear the mask. But again, you know, we know from the way people take in information, that first thing became the most important thing. And I think that was to the detriment of everybody. So, you know, I, I, I think that we did have some missteps, but I think the other thing was that we didn't have a consistent message coming from the federal government. We didn't have a consistent message of like, this is dangerous. This could really hurt us. And right now, all of us have to get together as a nation, just frankly, like we did after 9-11 and really come together as Americans and do what we need to do to protect ourselves. But no matter what we did, it would still have been a long slog of a year. You know, we could have done a whole lot better, but it's not like we could have had normal lives because that's not the case. To that point about the federal government, I've always kind of looked at this, you know, under the previous administration, everything was pushed to the states and basically you figure Mm -hmm. it out. We'll try to provide some stuff, but wasn't this the equivalent of trying to fight a war and telling every state you you do it the way you think you'll do it back? I mean, it's, it's disastrous just from the conceptual standpoint, let alone in practice. No. Oh, I totally agree with you. And it shows us the, the limitations of federalism, right? It, and, and I'm not a political scientist, so, um, but it shows us that sometimes we have 50 different countries. I'm, I'm unclear whether legally, in fact, I don't think so, legally, like the CDC gives guidelines and definitely better, clearer guidelines would have helped. But ultimately, I believe the states really have the authority now, maybe that's something we should change or could change or whatever. But, you know, it's not as if we have truly 50 countries with non-porous borders. So people flow from one place to the next to the next. You know, when, when New York was the center, the epicenter of the pandemic, there was nothing that prevented people from leaving New York and going other places. And they did, and they brought it with them. You know, people landed at Kennedy airport and then they just left and flowed out into the rest of the country, bringing it with them. I mean, there were all of these things that 
happen. The fact is, is that we really all needed to act as a group. I think initially it was the thought this was an urban problem, right? Because people live in such crowded con- conditions. I mean, you know, I live in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a congested urban area. It just is. And it's, it's the charm and the beauty and the attraction of it. But under these circumstances, it makes it difficult. A lot of people who had money sort of did what everybody has ever done, like from time immemorial, wealthier people flee urban centers and go off rural somewhere, but they tend to bring it with them. Everybody else kind of sits and, and waits in a rural center. If you read the accounts from the Middle Ages of what people did, this is what they did. So it's kind of interesting that human, human nature and human reactions to these things are so consistent, even across hundreds or even a thousand years. But yeah, we, we, we would have done better if we had had a unified response, right? If everybody, even in the state of Pennsylvania, right, it almost went county by county by county by county, as if somebody from a county outside of Philadelphia County would not come into this county or vice versa. So yeah, it's not, our political legal system is not very conducive to dealing with this kind of crisis within the country. So we talk about missteps. Were there things, public health, and I don't want to say this, they got a lot of things right. I mean, there's a lot of focus on the mistake, but what would you say are the top things that public health got right that we can point to from this pandemic whenever the next one strikes and say, we learned this, we learned this, we did this well, let's do this again. What would be at the top of that list? Yeah, I think that we we have a clearer idea of how we should message, right? I think we hopefully have a clear idea of it, it's, it's really important to, um, you don't want to alarm people but you have to be really honest with them, right? You have to be forthright. I I think that a lot of initially, but I'm not sure it was public health. This was more political, why it was soft-pedaled. I think the CDC, within the constrictions that they had, did a good job. I think what we need to understand is that, as everybody says, we have to follow the science. The science was there we did a great job, an amazing job creating vaccines. I mean, far better than anybody could have possibly imagined creating these vaccines. I think a lot of people in public health have known um, that we need to do a better job in messaging. I think we know how to do it, but we're not really enabled to do it. I think, you know, we got the message out, but not nationally. So I I guess what I see is that there was this unfortunate intersection between public health and science and politics. What I hope we would learn from this is that public health is not a political issue. Nobody made recommendations just to shut the economy down. And And in fact, I think what we've seen is that 
there's very little correlation between how well economies are doing in different regions and the, sh- the amount of shutdown that occurred. So I think we, we made correct recommendations, but there wasn't the political will to carry them out. I would hope that in the future, we would have politicians who would work more closely with public health experts and really follow the, the guidance. That, that would be my, my hope. And that we could sort of step it up in terms of understanding we've, we've got a message to people consistently, effectively, all the time. Uh, and that, that we also have to create safety nets for people so that when you go into things like lockdown, people don't suffer as, as much. So it, I, I understand what your question was, but there's been so much entanglement with, you know, the politics and whatever, that it's been really hard to disconnect what public health did or could have done versus really what what happened. A key for public health, or I would I wouldn't say a key, but a constant challenge is getting the funding that is needed. Oh, because yeah. once again, people have short memories. And if there hasn't been anything, why do you need this money? We don't have any problems we're trying to tackle. Instead of looking at it, what a wonderful job we've done of preventing things. We want to keep it at that level, keep it better. Um, do you think if there is one thing going forward, the effect this had on society, we will see public health, at least in the short term, get some much needed funding that they need to right. to put things in place to, to help stave off the next pandemic? I, God willing, right? I mean, first of all, the CDC has been losing funding for years. And not just under the the immediately past administration, but the administrations before that. So I think Congress needs to view the CDC like they do the NIH and really start giving them the funds that they need. But beyond that, we need to start funding our state and local public health departments correctly. And they really, most of them are on a shoestring. For example, Delaware County doesn't even have any kind of a health department at all. In, in, in fact, um, they reached out to us to help do, do contact tracing, which, which we did, as, because we developed a program where we trained a lot of people around the state to do contact tracing. So we need to, it's sort of like, if we thought a little bit more about public health, like we do about mm, security in the military, I think we see it a little differently. So we have this large military, this large security presence, not because we want to wage war all the time, but because we want to keep us safe and prevent right, security problems, prevent war in a certain way. Public health should be seen the same way. If we want to prevent this kind of disaster and other disasters from coming again, we have to we have to fund it so that we do all the things that we need to do to prevent that from happening. So maybe people didn't see this 
so much as the way they do like their doctor or the hospital where people are actively treating disease, but they saw it more like the military where we do things to secure ourselves, not necessarily to wage war, then maybe they could see the value of actually having, you know, doing all of these measures so that we don't wind up where we are today. I, I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but. No, I think it, I think it hits the mark. Um, and I want to go back to something you said earlier, how I believe you said you've had a surge of people come into the school interested in public health. How that to me seems like, aside from that could be a game changer in itself to have an entire generation kind of galvanized about the importance of public health and not just talking about it like some Yahoo like me, but actually dedicating their life and getting into it and making a difference and having this experience be so fresh that they know what works, what didn't work and what is needed going forward. No. Oh, I completely agree with you. And, and you are more informed about public health than uh, you're letting on. I agree. I think that even if like, for example, we have a master's in public health, frequently people who are in other fields get this MPH degree. It's kind of a, it can be a value added degree. And I think understanding that many things can be seen through a public health lens will definitely assist physicians, nurses, social workers. In fact, the entire Temple University College of Public Health is, is sort of predicated on that model that it's not just simply public health, but infusing the entire health system with that lens of public health is going to be useful. And definitely the amount of interest that we've had in this is, is really exciting because I don't expect that all of those students will stay strictly in public health. But if they take that interest, that knowledge into other fields, even into business, I think we will all be better educated and better informed and, and really kind of incorporate that idea about prevention and wellness and keeping ourselves safe while we go about the rest of our business. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>